And welcome to the WW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangiello, and this is show number 512. And I'm here once again, as I have been since 2005, not only to help you have the best possible vacation experience when you go to the Disney parks, but I also want to bring you a little bit of Disney magic, not just with the show, but with my live video broadcasts every Wednesday night on Facebook, my books, audio tours, blog, newsletter, special events, and more. You can find everything over at www.radio.com. So this week, I'm going to open up the inbox and answer more of your questions to help you next time you visit Walt Disney World. Topics include quiet places to dine in Walt Disney World, Princess Tiana, the Platinum Pass, what happens to the props when an attraction closes, passports for your cruise, the return of the original Journey into Imagination, how to find cheap airfare to Orlando, and more. I'll then have the answer to our last Walt Disney World trivia question of the week, and I'll pose a new challenge for your chance to win a Disney prize package that includes a mystery shirt. I'll then have more information at the end of the show, including un- information about upcoming WW Radio events, meets of the month, your voicemails, and more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WW Radio Show. Believe it or not, my favorite part of the show is not the ability to go and eat in Walt Disney World and do live dining reviews. Instead, my favorite part is the community that you have built. I say this all the time. I just built the clubhouse. You are the ones that populate it. And I love, over time, how we've been able to have two-way conversations, not just me pushing out content, but we have them online at meets and events in person. And by doing so, I think that for me is the best way that I can help you have the best vacation possible or maybe bring a little bit of that positive spark and light to your day with what we talk about here at Disney. And I appreciate every person that reaches out to me via voicemail, email, private message, and of course when I get the wonderful gifts of food in the mail. Uh, But I love also being able to hear and uh, tackle and share your specific questions, not only to help you, but to help other people as well. Because like Radio Shack, in the good old days, you've got questions, we've got answers. And when I say we, I mean not just me, but 
somebody who probably remembers when Radio Shack only sold radios, she is, sorry, you were making all kinds of faces. She is Becky Mankin, CEO, uh, her royal worshipfulness of MEI and Mouse Fan Travel at mousefantravel.com. See, uh, but people don't realize that we're sitting in a restaurant. Therefore, it really is of course all we about are. the food. <laughs> and and you only got a couple of spots of powdered sugar on right. you. So that's not too bad considering. And we're sitting inside the restaurant because you, it's Becky and it's her warm. hair and Flora. It's warm. It's, it's like warm. 55 it's, degrees. No, it's like 86 degrees out there. Have you it's not? actually a picture. For those who have come to Florida in August, which Becky does not, this is actually a picture-perfect day. I, was, I had a lovely morning. Uh, sitting outside in French Quarter, which is, I have to do a, did I do a DSI? I did a DSI, I think, of Riverside. I love this resort. It's one of, if not my favorite moderates, because it's small. I love New Orleans. I love the people of New Orleans. I love the food of New Orleans. I love the cuisine of New Orleans. I love the architecture of New Orleans. And I love the food beignets of New Orleans. Of yes. New Orleans. Yes. The beignets. But I didn't think. we have a lovely breakfast despite the fact that you had to carry your own tray? Wow. Yes, it was actually kind of amazing. But that whole breakfast thing, you just went right for the beignet line. I, I do remember. And when I did, you went, uh, how many I'm are ready. you getting? <laughs> well, I wanted to make sure you needed at least 20 because you need at least one for me. Because right. I know that you were going to plow through those like. But they were lovely. Line. And you dip them in the strawberry, which counteracts any of the carbohydrates and sugar because it's fruit. See, but the thing is, we, we both planned unwisely and wore dark shirts around the, the what, about a quarter pound of powdered sugar that they give oh, you? It, I mean, it's no Cafe du Monde. Don't get me Just wrong. Just don't sneeze. Don't sneeze around the It was lovely. Sugar. It was lovely. But believe it or not, all of the questions that we received this month are not about food. Are you sure? Unfortunately, I hope so. Um, <laughs> and not specifically about Port Orleans, although I'd love to answer any questions you might have. So let's get right into it. First question comes from David and Jean, or Jean, if they happen to be from France or Canada. It's a Lou. Great show. We've started the process of going back to show number one, yikes, and are listening forward. I love the music in the background, by the way. We are now on show number 92 and are moving right along, footloose and fancy free, like Kermit and Fozzie. Anyway, we have a dining question. Look at this. It's a dining question, right? And no, there's nobody better to address our question than you. Clearly, they've seen pictures. Um, There are only two of us, adults, most of the time, and we find it hard to find dining options, not high-end, that provides somewhat of a quieter area to dine. We recently had lunch at Art Smith's Homecoming. Yum. Fantastic fried chicken, by the way, they say. I agree wholeheartedly. Our hostess set us a table next to a gazillion small children. Oh, this is you you and Becky just bonded in a big way. <laughs> Needless to say, it turned out a disaster. We, we had a $75 lunch and couldn't hear each other talk. Wow, where, where did they seat you? Um... We had. Uh, are there any places in Disney, Disney Springs, that have quieter places to dine with minimal noise? Thank you very much for your time and fantastic shows, David and Jean. Becky, I know you are chomping at the bit because you, if they made like an adults-only dining area, like if there was Apollo in Disney World, you would eat there every day. Every single day. I'm sure. <laughs> it, like it's, it, the, the softball is to give you this one right off the bat because I'm sure you have choices. But I'm going to help you okay. because just in case there's some that you might not have thought about, I want to throw a couple of you away because these are some of the ones that came to mind. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm sad because I've been to homecoming a number of times. It normally is not a very loud environment. You might have just caught cheerleader day, baby day or something. Um, but here's sort of my top five places, quieter places in Disney World, Disney Springs that have a quieter place to dine with minimal noise. Write this down, Mankin. 
Jico, the cooking place. Mm -hmm. California Grill, lovely. Monsieur Paul. <laughs> Shula's. It can be noisy, but that's just the sound of the knives and the forks just banging against each other as you cut your oh so buttery soft steak. And that might have, that's for Blue Zoo. Blue Zoo, yeah, it's very, oh. You're right. And Cantonese lobster will, will dull any extraneous noise. And just for giggles, two extra honorable mentions Artist Point and Narcusi. Yeah, you know what? Sometimes it's good to ask the host or hostess. If you really have your, your mind set on having a romantic meal that's kind of quiet, you can always say that to the host or hostess when you get there to say, is it okay if we're seated, we're kind of having a romantic meal, can we be seated in a more quiet location? And sometimes they're good about that, and they can, but you know, frankly, let's be honest, we're in Walt Disney World where they cater to families, so um, I, the line that you always get so mad at me when I say there's a baby in a bar... <laughs> I can't help it. Um, sometimes you do want to just... Oh, the other one, I would say. And God has a sense of humor because a small child just walked in next to you and I saw you shudder. I, I didn't even notice until actually he was past you. But you know what? If you're going to come to Disney World, you've got to kind of have an expectation that there are going to be kids around. But um, another thing that, that I like to do, Rick's Lounge over at um, Coronado Springs is a good one to kind of... Because it caters more to the... Um, uh, to the convention center folks, so you don't have as many families over there, and the lounge is a good place to be. And they do have some good food over there as well. Um, Ale and Compass at Yachts Club is also a good one. It's brand new. It's the old um, Captain's Grill. And I'm not sure if you've been there, Lou, but it they did a fantastic job on the new um, look of it, and the design is gorgeous, and the menus, they've kind of been playing with the menus, but it is a little bit more quiet over there as well. But again, another convention resort, so you don't get as many of the families over at Yacht as you will, would see in some of the other locations. Um, he specifically was asking about Disney Springs, and I was really trying to rack my brain because there's so much new that's going on over there. And uh, I will say that I had lunch at the Edison, which was a little bit quieter for lunch from what I heard. It is more of a lounge than it is a restaurant, but they do have some really nice choices on their, their lunch menu. Um, tell me your opinion on this because I was hemming and hawing about paddlefish. So I, I actually think Paddlefish is not a, a quiet restaurant. Okay. Um, there's not a lot of soft spaces in there, yeah. meaning there's no carpeting. There's nothing soft in the wall. So it can have a tendency to be loud, um, especially inside in certain areas, um, just because of the echo. The one place I will say with an asterisk, because I've only been there once for lunch. I haven't done a full review yet, but I was very impressed with what I saw so far, uh, was Maria and Enzo's. I went for lunch. Again, I have not been there at night, it, it's a cavernous space, so I yeah. don't know how loud it gets. So I can't really speak to it um, as yet. And I think, and I think the hideaway again. If is it is it the noise itself, or is it children and noise? Because those are two very different things. Yeah, and I, I think though that I was thinking the same along lines of Morimoto Asia is really nice. It's a great space, but it's a loud space. So if you're looking for just plain quiet, like you said, you're probably not going to get it there either. Um, but I think if you target more of the lounge slash food, you're going to do better if you're trying to avoid children. 
just in all honesty, you laugh, but I mean, there are some people who want to have a romantic dinner and, and you know, uh, Victorian Alberts is another option for that too. I know it's very spendy. There was a couple of other things. If you want to do a special occasion type thing as well, there are some options at the Grand Floridian where you can have just you and your loved one at a table for two in a private location as well. And it's not Victorian Alberts. So there's a lot of other options across property. Becky actually has a, like a like a hotel room. She has a sign hanging on the back of her chair that she says, do not disturb. So she knows, everybody sort of knows. I it's like they set up know. cones around you, like, like <laughs> yellow, like orange. You know, Listen, we have to move on. No, we have to move on. what you say, Wait, so but be this. careful. <laughs> <laughs> they know that I kid because I love. Oh, I wouldn't kid. is that it? The second question is actually incredibly appropriate for a number of reasons. Inappropriate? No, it, no it's a- appropriate. Oh, okay. Appropriate. <laughs> Let me inappropriate. It's appropriate because I love... <laughs> Um, two of the topics that it's about. It's appropriate because of where we are, okay. and it's appropriate of when we are, because this week is Mardi Gras, ah. as of when we're recording. Yep. This question from Patrick Brinker says, Hey, Lou, just finished watching Princess and the Frog with the, with the kiddos. I love Princess and the Frog. Beautifully drawn movie. Some of my favorite music anywhere. Watched it with the kiddos, Becky. Curious to know if you know anything about this. Was there ever a thought to put a Tiana's Place restaurant in Port Orleans Resort to match the movie. It seems like it would be a no-brainer. Thanks. Love the podcast. Live Facebook videos, weekly chat, and the walkthroughs. Patrick Brinker. So uh, I want to give you a little bit of a, a history and a throwback and a, a, a concept that never came to be. There was never anything planned specifically for this resort, but one thing that we were actually talking about earlier this morning that I am stupid excited about is Tiana's place on the Disney Wonder. Um, you get you get the sense that you, like walking into Cars Land, you are transported into that restaurant that you saw at that finale. There is that, that southern charm, much like that we have here. I love, love, love the live jazz trio. It has a very celebratory feel. Uh, oh, by the way, the food is awesome. Um, they have beignets. Um, and, and there really is something incredibly charming about that. I cannot wait to hit that this summer when we go to, a, like, Alaska and Tiana's place. Like, pff, brains falling out of my head. <laughs> and I got to say, you've kind of gone off the topic of the question in mind, but the wonder, the first time I saw Tiana's place on, on the ship, if they could transform that restaurant on property here, that would be a fantastic and very popular place to be because between the show and the dancing and the food and the music and the characters, they have some very unique characters that you don't really see anywhere else. Who is the alligator? I love that guy. Exactly. And um, I played the trombone. Ah, never mind. There's you, no video of that. You do what? I did. Did you I just do. say you play the trombone? Is that what the you trumpet? Just, oh, trumpet. Oh, trumpet. Okay. Cause I, like Louis the Alligator. We had the same body shape, too. I, I mean, we had that same short, pear-shaped, lovable, cuddly, trumpet-blowing body shape. But I digress. Note to self. We'll bring a trumpet on board the ship and <laughs> test this whole thing out. That would be kind of interesting. And there will be video. Woohoo! <laughs> I could blow me some Louis Armstrong and Herb Alpert like there's nobody's business. But go ahead. All right. We're going to test that theory. And, you, and we're going to, all of us are going to hold you to that just so that you know. Um, but wouldn't that be an amazing addition to Port Orleans' um, French Quarter? So, and look, I, I love Boat... I think Boat Rights is, is a hidden gem of a restaurant. We did a live review back on show number whatever it was. Um, what I also used to love... And yes, and I think a, a, 
I will tell you what my concept would be and where I would put it, actually, other than here. Um, do you remember the old Tiana's Riverboat Party in Magic Kingdom? That's the place with all the kids. It was on the Liberty Square Riverboat, and they had, like, this Sunday fun day, and there was Princess Diana and Prince Naveen and Louis the Alligator came from the... the um, the threshold, like in the, the the walkway that leads you from Liberty Square into Adventureland, there was all kinds of music. They parted on the dock. They went up. Everybody was sort of waving things off the side of the boat. Um, it was awesome. I, I love the music. I love. And then they had a special event too, where they had um, like an ice cream social. But did you know, Becky Mankin? And I and I know we talked about this on an episode years ago. I'll try and link to it in the show notes, where we talked about. The Empress Lily Riverboat, right. which is now Paddlefish, as, as we talk about. Do you know why that's there? Wasn't it a, a show and no breakfast uh, character the, breakfast place at one point? At one point, they had it was a place that had the very first oh, character. Saying, why is it there? Why is it there? Because the reason why that's there Berlin. is because across the way they were going to build a New Orleans themed hotel and shopping district where the entire first floor was going to be a shopping arcade hmm. and all the rooms were going to be built above that. So that was supposed to be the tie-in to the riverboat that was there. Um, what happened? Life happened, and they, <laughs> they ended up creating, they ended up obviously making uh, Riverside and then French Quarter um, as opposed to, they, they realized that the better utilization of that space was a shopping and dining district, not just for guests, but eventually for locals as well. But what I would love to see, if they're going to do a Tiana's place, you got to do it right. What I would do, and Gloria, I, I love you to death, but I would knock down Bongo's Cuban Cafe, and I would put a Tiana's place in Disney Springs because you need the water. So now all of a sudden you can take one of the boats down the Sasagula River right to Tiana's place. You have the big... Um, uh, steam pipes up on top make it look exactly like it was right there jazz music, live music all over the place etouffee, jambalaya, crawfish <laughs> brains falling out of my head I would never leave. That's the point, you would never leave and then all of a sudden there would be a problem between you and Boathouse <laughs> but what would you, how would you reconcile that in, in, your, in your brain and in your tummy? I, I, I could make it happen I can, I can, I can do it but I, yeah, I would love to see Tiana gets you on weekends. Boathouse gets you on weekdays. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a joint custody kind of thing. Look, my heart and my stomach will always and reside at. at gotcha. <laughs> I go and visit Blues every now and then just to make sure the Cantonese lobster is okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, I love New Orleans. Look, one of the best events I think we ever did was that um, trip a few years ago to New Orleans for the New Orleans half marathon. Oh, the food. Oh, the people. Oh, the music. We're going to go back. But anyway, I can't wait for Tiana's this summer. Um, Next question says, platinum versus silver? Hey, Lou. Becky's like, platinum, of course. Why is this a question? How are we going on? My very soon-to-be wife and I are moving to Orlando in just over a month. You are going to love it here. It's awesome. We're obviously going to get season passes for Disney, but aren't sure which ones to go with. It's warm. Oh, stop it. The, blackout, the blackout dates for the silver pass are either crazy hot and packed in June or crazy packed during the winter holidays. Both of which we aren't really sure if we would want to be in the parks. The Platinum allows us to go when we please, but are we really going to go during peak times? little background on us. We met during the Disney College program, aw, and people watching during the holidays is half of the fun. We've been listening to the show for years, excited to start coming to the meets of the month. Yay! But back to the topic. What are your thoughts? 
Is it better to spend a little more and have the option to go whenever you want or spend a little less and accept the blackout dates? Um, I have an answer to this as somebody who made that move, but would you like to go first? No, I'm going to let you. This is all you all okay. the time on this one since I'm not a resident. So, a lot of people uh, think I'm a resident. I'm a lot, a well, you're here more than anywhere else. So, all right. Okay. So um, my answer to the question is exactly the advice I would give. Because, look, I, I, since I moved down here, I have a platinum pla- platinum pass, quote-unquote, for work because I need to have the ability to visit the parks at any time. My kids and my wife have a gold pass because you're right. We don't often go when it's super crowded in the summer. We oftentimes will avoid the parks in around the, the Christmas and New Year time. If we have a, a summer or a, a season where we feel like we're going to maybe go some more, friends are in town, we want to start you going to Typhoon Lagoon and Blizzard Beach, we have the option to upgrade those passes um, because again you know with the platinum you have unlimited unlimited as my son would say admission to all the parks Blizzard Beach Typhoon Lagoon Wide World of Sports complimentary parking uh, you can also do the uh, round of golf at uh, Oak Trail and there's lots of other um, uh, um, discounts uh, available and then the platinum plus and they start to sort of scale back from there the gold pass for Florida residents and DVC members does give you the unlimited admission, but there are, like you said, certain blackout dates, and then there's a silver pass for Florida residents only. So I think it really depends. I think you sort of have answered your question in terms of it's hot during the summer, maybe you don't want to deal with the crowds. I will tell you, it is part of the reason, other than the fact that we just love it so, we spend as locals more time at the resorts and at Disney Springs than we do in the parks because you'll you'll come to once the novelty wears off a little bit you'll see hey there's maybe no reason to go on a Saturday July 4th weekend to buck the crowds when you know that you can go either in a couple of weeks or even during the weekdays if need be. I guess one of my questions would be is how many of those dates are blacked out between the passes. And, you know, I saw versus silver and not being a Florida resident, I'm personally not aware of the difference between the gold and the silver in terms of what's blacked out. But how you did, he says that um, part of the fun is watching people during the holidays. But if you don't need to be there at Christmas or on Thanksgiving when it is crazy crowded, and there's a possibility if you don't show up when the gates open anyway, you might not be able to get in. Then maybe it is a better idea to be more strategic with that and save some money. Yeah, you can certainly use that money on other things like, oh, I don't know, just for like food, you know, <laughs> dining <laughs> somewhere beignets. else. Yeah. Beignets, beignets, boathouse, and, and the boathouse. Uh, again, the Silver Pass will black you out um, through most of June and July, the Gold Pass does not have that, although you still do have the uh, early parts of the year and those, those major um, spring break times. And look, you can start off with a silver or a gold, and then if you decide that you want to upgrade, you know, Disney will let you go in and obviously apply a credit based on what you've purchased already to upgrading your pass. Right, and that's what I was going to say, is that that gives you the best of both worlds. If you start out by spending just a little bit of money, do the silver, and then if you find that you're missing out on those dates, you really want to go that day. You can just go to the gate, upgrade the pass, and you're in. And again, you know, if you look at some of the charts, you get a better idea of the finance that you're looking at. You know, because look, the difference between a Florida resident, for example, silver and gold, and again, do not quote me on these numbers, I'm ballparking because they do change. 
It's about like 389 for a silver. It's 549 for a gold. So there is a jump in there. And then obviously when you get to the platinums, you're in the uh, you're in the mid sixes. So it's a it's a balance that you're going to have to make. I would start low. Look, you can always upgrade. You can't downgrade. You can always go up. You can't go back. So Joshua West says, "Hey Lou, I am enormous fan of the show from the UK, Becky. That's the United Kingdom, yeah, also known as over there, by the way, also known as Britain, Great Britain, a home of so many. Oh, the food, the queen. Is, the que- the I, queen God save there. the Queen. I, he says, I love going to Walt Disney World. I'm imagining him saying this in that awesome British accent, which I'm not going to do because oh come on, it's no. so much fun." I love going to Walt Disney This is not me doing the accent. I love going to Walt Disney World with my family. And more recently, my girlfriend apps hate my... Oh, and more recently, my girlfriend absolutely hates when I'm not there. So your podcast gives me that little bit of Disney magic whilst... Oops. See, whilst, whilst... 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 Whilst I'm away on my next trip across the pond. The great movie ride has been a must-do every time I visited MGM slash Hollywood Studios. And I'm so sad to see it go. However, I'd be so interested to know... What happens to all the props and models and wonderful items that make up that ride? Do they go to auctions, museums, or private collectors, perhaps? Finally, I just wanted to say thank you for what you do. You've given me hope in my darkest days. Oh, and I've really been a friend when I've felt the loneliness. See? We are friends, whether we've met... I'm getting all choked up. I am. So, this is a really... um, This is a really interesting question, because when they do close attractions... I've gotten this question for years. You know, what happens to some of the things? And again... This is me speculating. I don't know this for a fact. We sort of don't know what happens when the curtain goes down. My my guess is that one attraction, especially something as iconic like the Great Movie Ride, goes down. I would think that Archives probably has first pass, you know, sort of the first right of refusal to go in and take things out that they want to maybe bring into the Archives. I think Imagineering would probably go in next, be able to pick out things that they can repurpose and use for other attractions or keep in that attraction, which I think obviously wouldn't be the case for the great movie ride. Um, I think some of it do go to third-party vendors that um, do sell. Look, if you're a cast member, I'm sure you know about places where, uh, you know, Disney will take old furniture, old things, and they'll sell them at places like, um, you know, cast member-only locations. Um, And then... You know, a lot of it's destroyed, unfortunately. Um, construction crews comes in, subcontractors come, subcontractors come in, um, and they clear out pieces of attractions or, or hotel rooms. Um, so a, a lot of it really will never be available for public purchase. Although years ago, pre, um, you know, pre-Disney working with some of the third, third-party companies, many of which aren't in business anymore, Disney used to have their own auctions on eBay, and really? they used they used to sell some of the props. Wow! So, um, and actually, somebody who was a cast member actually got for and, and I've told the story a thousand times. So, I still have a porthole from a twenty thousand leagues under the sea stub that I'm trying to figure out how to mount or make something out of because hi, I'm Lou, not very handy. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I I could follow that up with something, but I'm not. My other question would be: I wonder if any of the artifacts that were in there um, were on loan from like a, a family or a studio or so things like John Wayne's belt buckle, yeah. James Cagney's suit, um, Isabella Rossellini's dress. Uh, so certain things do come from the collectors, but I I'm I would bet ninety eight point seven seven percent that once it was 
given to Disney, it, it was probably theirs to use in the attraction. Or maybe they give them back. Maybe they keep it. Again, I think I'm sure John Wayne's belt buckle is not in a landfill somewhere. It's probably right. in the archives or maybe given back to the family. I spent a little time in Hollywood Studios this week when I was here, and it was so cool to actually walk in the gates and then see the, the Chinese theater again rather than see the big hat. And that's the first time it really hit me that, oh, my gosh, something's missing, but it's so cool. Is this the first time you've been there since they took the hat down, like no, been, 10 years ago? I was, I was in there once uh, because, well, because I've been backstage coming into different areas, so I didn't didn't have the opportunity to come in through the front gates. Did like you, oh, wait, you, you didn't have to walk by Playhouse Disney, did you? No. Did you get the jitters? Did you get, like, the shakes? Wow. Like, wow. <laughs> People really believe what you say, and you love that. And I did walk by Playhouse Disney because I did the Star Wars dessert party. Was it a, was it a walk or more of a, a brisk jog? <laughs> I did have stormtroopers around me, so, you know, it's okay. <laughs> anyway, I am going to miss that ride. I'm not going to miss um, the alien that was going to eat my head from the ceiling every time we went past it, or the, um, the, the Ripley, the, the really bad Ripley after a while. But what's coming in is going to be exciting. Um, I, I'm really glad that they're keeping the same facade of the Chinese theater. And um, it'd be cool to know where some of those things are going to buy them. But then again, I have no room in my house. So so you do know, since you mentioned Alien, you know that, that the original intent and goal was that where extraterrestrial alien encounter was, where mm-hmm. Stitch's Great Escape is for now, kind of. that was supposed to be, they wanted it to be an alien attraction. And Disney was not... If you can go back and listen to show... Insert show number here, where I talked about the history of the extraterrestrial alien encounter in that space, um, that's what they wanted. They could not work out something in terms of getting the alien property. So Disney's like, fine, we'll just make our own alien. Enter Phil Hartman, Tim Curry, and Sir, and the oh-so-weird-looking creepy alien in the tube thing. Um, but yeah, that's what they wanted it to be. They wanted that to be based on the alien property because, for, for, and it made sense for a number of reasons in terms of uh, a recognizable uh, property to come in, okay. a very successful franchise, something a little more scary, a little more edgy to get that that uh, teen, young adult, male demo into the park. Right, but then how did they get it in the great movie ride? Because that came about years later, so they were able to license that for there as opposed to building, you know, Times change, people change, um, lawyers change, so they're able to work out lots of different things. So, uh, let's see. Hey, Lou, and hopefully Becky. My name is Nick, and I'm a DVC member. Hot come with a question mark behind it. And I've been to the world dozens of times. This summer, my family and I will be taking our first Disney cruise, and the crowd goes wild. Uh, We'll be coming in a couple days. We'll be coming in a couple days early. For a two-night stay at Bay Lake Tower, sweet. And then a four-night cruise on the Disney Dream, say hello to Vanellope for me. Then coming back to Walt Disney World for a split stay at Animal Kingdom Lodge, Villas, and Club Level at the Contemporary. Oh, see, um, listen, people. you want to hang on to that family as long as possible because they're <laughs> awesome. And we are super excited about our first cruise and have lots of questions about it all. So, Becky, strap in. Here we go. Number one, I know this cruise doesn't require a passport, but should we still get one or are we okay without it? You always hate to think worst-case scenario, but you never know. I think we're both nodding our heads the same way, saying absolutely yes. 
Absolutely, yes. You, we always recommend a passport. Um, the only time that they will allow you to travel with your identification and an original birth certificate that has the raised seal or is certified, it can never be a copy, is when they do what they call a closed loop, which means you're leaving and returning to the same U.S. port. That doesn't mean that, let's say, that you're doing your seven-night cruise or even your cruise to the Bahamas and something happens. Maybe there's a family emergency at home or there's a medical emergency with your family on board the ship. Hopefully that never happens. But if it does, you get off the ship and you need to fly home. You can't fly home from a uh, non-U.S. location without a passport. So uh, if you can imagine having a family crisis or a family emergency at home and not being able to fly home and you're sitting in... um, in Martinique or you're sitting in the Bahamas and you can't get... Which is not the worst place to sit. No. I mean, if you have to be somewhere, right? But if there's, but if have yeah, if there's yeah. a medical emergency at home and there's something that's going on, it's really difficult to... Because you got to go and you got to go find the consulate and you've got to, to get everything. I just would pay the money and have a passport. That way, if great opportunities come up like a cruise, because once you've cruised, you're going to cruise again. So... Eventually, everybody's going to have to have a passport to do this anyway. Um, the use of a U.S. Um, uh, ID card and birth certificate was actually supposed to go away in 2007. And so every year they've kind of been moving it forward and moving it forward, but it's eventually going to go away. So best off, play it safe. In case anything goes wrong, you have to fly out from those ports or... Let's say you know something occurs um, with the weather and the ship can't return. It's got to return to a different port. You want to be as flexible as possible to get yourself back if that was necessary. So, just get the passport, and every you'll never have or you'll never be caught off guard with any situation. And I have no skin in the game. I have no relationship with this company other than the fact that I've used them for my passport, my visa when I went to China and Japan, and then for my family's passport renewals. It's easy. Passportsandvisas.com are amazing. Like, I had full faith and confidence putting my passport in a UPS envelope and sending it to them. They are incredibly communicative. They're super fast. If you need it in a couple days, they'll get it for you in a couple days. Um, And they, they, there's a, a, a security and a safety and a trust factor. The fact that they are keeping you in the loop. Every step of the process, I, I, I highly, highly, highly recommend them. We've used them for years and years and years. And as a matter of fact, I think it was us that said, Lou, try this. And um, I use them for my own passport services as well. So not a problem at all to use them. And they are with you every step of the way. And it's a really good service to use. Number two, because he's got more. We're trying to figure out transfers from resort to port and then from port to resort. Say that three times fast. We're thinking about getting a private transfer company. Now you're speaking my language. We've used for airport transfers before, so we can get to the port earlier than the Disney Cruise Line bus does. I've heard the buses usually don't head to the port until around noon. We want to get there closer to 10. How early can you actually board the ship so we can take advantage of everything there is, even if it's just getting there a couple of hours early? So there's really two questions there. Mm-hmm. Getting there and back, and how early can you board? I, I'm, I, I will tell you, obviously I'm local, so I drive. Um, when I didn't drive... I like taking private transfer service. Listen to Lou Mangello <laughs> because talk about private because I'm a freak and I like to get there. Look, I would rather yes. be there three hours early and stand there and wait than be a minute late. Like I think that's a Benjamin Franklin quote. It's best to get there three hours early than to be a minute late. So plus, you're so excited. You're not going to sleep that morning. I'd rather get there 
not have to worry about any sort of traffic, accidents, anything like that. In terms of boarding the ship, you are given a boarding time based on a number of factors. Yes, and normally when you do your, your online check-in, it will give you the time for your arrival. But you can still get there a little er- bit earlier. But be prepared. If you arrive at 10, that doesn't mean you're going to be able to walk into the port at 10. Approximately around 10.30, security starts their screening process, both on the lower level and on the third level from the garage. But at that point, uh, you're just going to be waiting outside and in a line for that security until they open up. And sometimes, and who cares? Because you're waiting with other people, yeah, and you're, and you're super excited. excited, and the ship is there, and you're just yeah. freaking the freak out. And then you go inside when once you do pass security, and it could be that you don't um, actually get to board the ship till 11.30 or even sometimes noon, and sometimes later, depending on what time the, the ship cleared in the morning, because that's kind of what drives the whole process. So I would say, yes. It's exciting because in the port, while you still can't board the ship, maybe till noon or 1130, they do bring out the characters and there's a lot going on. You can sign up your kids for the kids club and there's other things you can take care of while you're there. Um, If you're talking about taking private transfers versus the bus, the first thing I do is ask how many people are going to be traveling. Because if you have three or four, if you have four in your party, it's probably going to be the exact same amount to take a one-way transfer on private transfers as it will be to take the bus. Right, because he says his next question is, if we take the bus back to Walt Disney World, what's the going rate for a one-way transfer? I've heard it's $70 no matter if it's round trip or one-way. Also seen as $35 one-way. What is it? What time does that bus head back to the resorts when you leave the ship? Yeah, it's $35 one way at the time that we're recording this because obviously that's subject to change. So if you're looking at $35 one way, 70 times 4 is 140. And it's about a little bit over that with tip to go uh, to take a private transfer out. But uh, it's private, again, and you get to leave when you want to leave if, um, if you're taking one of the cars rather than taking uh, the bus transfer. And you can, like, roll up through the Dunkin' Donuts drive-thru on the way, grab a little coffee, <laughs> grab a little nosh on the way, because you're not going to eat until later. Exactly. You certainly can do that. You can also do something special for your family and upgrade for a few bucks more to a limo, like uh, some of us have done for people to make it extra special, too. And I don't mean for me. I mean for people like you and, and for other clients. I'm taking a limo, but you can come with. No, that wasn't exactly how it was. Okay, wait. So wait, we have one more, he has one more question. Wait, I'm not done oh. yet. I'm not done yet because he was asking. You just did the voice. It was so funny. Wow. <laughs> he was asking which, what time does it head back to the resorts. And uh, typically they start with the walk-offs around 8. After you have breakfast, you just walk off and you can just get onto the resort bus. I'm making sad things. I know. That's one of the, the worst, worst things ever. ever. <laughs> it's like, oh, man, I got to leave. And then they do run continuous buses. But they do, no matter who you are, no matter what you're taking, they kick you off about 9 o'clock. Insert sad face here. So Nick says, finally, our 75-day mark is May 24th. So we can book extra dining and excursions. We're traveling with our two boys, six and two. You just lost Becky. And are thinking about letting them go to the kids club. You just got her back. You just got her back and the nursery one night. So my wife and I can enjoy a dinner, either Paolo or Remy. We're both foodies. You had me at foodie. And think both of these sound great. If you had to pick one, oh, really? which would you go with and why? Wow. Thanks for the help. Keep up the great work. Nick in Chesapeake, Virginia. So... <laughs> There's no, there's no uh, honorable mentions. You need to pick. We need to pick Paulo or Remy. And I think if we were, and I'm going to speak for you, tell me if I'm wrong. I think the, the really the question is, 
do you do Palo brunch or Remy dinner? And maybe that's the way to get out of it. Because, oh. right? Because he said, <laughs> right, <laughs> dinner at Paulo or Remy. So I say ah, dinner, dinner at, at Remy, Remy, brunch, brunch at, at Paulo. Paulo. Up top, high five. Nice. <laughs> Problem solved. There you go. Because it is. I think, yeah. I think Remy is a remarkably let's, beautiful meal. Let's talk about Remy, though, because it is a little bit more expensive, especially if you go for that wine pairing, which is fantastic, but be ready to maybe... Um, have your kids spend a lot of time in the kids club and I guess before you spend the money for Remy make sure your kids are going to be okay in the kids club for that run because it's a, it's like a four hour dinner and, or three and a half I think we were there for probably almost four um, because it was course after course and, and if your kid is fussy and wants to get out of the kids club leaving and the wine the pairing meal, is no joke like no. it's not a single wine like <laughs> there's there's much wine to be had there's, so there's definitely a good amount of wine to be had. Um, oh, but the cheese course know, at the end was the best. They, oh, they my. do the plate where it's all the way around the clock, the clock of cheese, remember? And then and then the dessert course after that, and then the chocolate course after the dessert course after the cheese course. It was one of the most fantastic meals I've ever had, and it still is up there. It's probably number one or two at this point. So if you are really a foodie and you love your food and you love the French cuisine and you love wine... Remy's almost a no-brainer. And when you say best meals, like, you don't mean, like, best meal on the ship. No. Best meal in Disney World. Like, best meal anywhere. Ever. Like, Ever. Yeah. yeah. Considering how much you probably don't remember because of all the wine <laughs> frames. But from what we do, it was a, I, like, I think Remy, I'm going to, I am going to say it out loud. I think Remy blows away Victorian Alberts. Yes. Unless you're in the chef's table at Victoria and Albert's, <laughs> then that would be a... I, I think, you know what? That's probably the closest thing to the Victoria and Albert chef's table that I've ever had. But sitting in that room, um, wh- I mean, and again, the way they do the courses and, and yeah. the, the, the French and the American side, and you're looking out over the water, it's just... It's romantic. It's amazing. We had dinner together. Don't call romantic. It was a lovely meal. Don't push it. It was... It was a nice meal. Not where I was going. <laughs> not what I meant. For most other people, it would have been, all right, we've got to move on, and it's Thank really you. awkward right now. <laughs> Richard Utria? Utria? Richard says, it's my first time on the site. Welcome. And I really have no idea where to ask this, so can it be in a listener email? Anyway, I'm really sorry if it's the wrong place. Hope you can forgive me. Of course. Hello, Lou. And Becky? I was visiting Epcot the other day and went on Journey into Imagination with Figment. It wasn't my first time on the attraction, but I was a bit disappointed because this replaced a great version of the ride that opened when Epcot first opened. Sort of, a little bit after. I was wondering, now that the entire pavilion has gotten some attention with the recent Pixar short film festival and the DVC lounge, will the original Journey into Imagination return? I would love to see Figment and Dreamfinder reunite, and I'm sure many would love to see this also. Thank you so much. Love the show. Have a magical day. Richard, i got some good news. I got some bad news, brother. Uh, first of all, I'm with you. There is nothing like, and there was nothing like, that original Journey into Imagination. The show that replaced it, without Figment, not so much. Not so much. Journey to Imagine with, Imagination with Figment did bring our lovable purple little dragon friend back. Um, I do, and I know nothing, right? Like Hogan's Heroes, I know nothing but... I believe that the current journey into imagination with Figment attraction is not long for this world. I think it is ready for um, uh, an update, a refurbishment, a refreshing. What I predict 
just based on what I've seen, not just from uh, guests' interest and enthusiasm and, and a continuing love beyond just the nostalgic of Figment, but we have seen over the past few years Figment returning and returning in spades. He is unofficially sort of returning as the icon of this park. We see his large topiary at Flower and Garden Festival, originally behind Spaceship Earth. Now it's in front of Spaceship Earth. He adorns a lot of the merchandise, and there's a lot of people who remember him from 1983 and a new generation of Figment fans that love him. My kids, for example, absolutely love Figment. I think he embodies so much of what Disney and Epcot represent. So that long-winded answer is, will the original return? No. Will will Figment return? If I was a betting man, which I am, uh, I absolutely believe that Figment will return. Whether Dreamfinder makes it back, I don't know. Years ago, if you would have asked me, I would have said no, because uh, the character had, had left the park, and usually when that happens, they don't return. However, we saw him come back in comic book form, which was very, very well received by Disney fans, Figment fans, and comic book fans, even those who were not Disney. So the, the Dreamfinder, uh, he may be gone, he's not forgotten, and he might be coming back, uh, although I wouldn't be surprised if you saw a little bit of Inside Out coming to hmm. Did you just, like, no, show a card? I, again, I know nothing. This is Lou, Disney enthusiast, looking at history, um, just thinking in terms of what would be a guest attractor and a guest satisfier. Interesting. I don't really have a lot to add on this one, only because, you know what, my first visit here was in 1996. So I was a latecomer to Walt Disney World. And Figment was the um, in-park character that I had never met before because I wasn't aware of him and I fell in love with that little character when I came off of that that ride. So I would love to see more of him. I would love to um, see Journey into Imagination turn into something a little bit more. I would love to see more Figment myself. So I'm kind of along the same lines as Richard. And I would love for you to go back to gosh, this is probably now almost 11 years ago where I interviewed a person who became my friend, Ron Schneider, who was the original Dreamfinder from Journey into Imagination. This goes back to uh, October, I guess, of 2007. So if I'm thinking episode numbers as I'm stalling for time, as I'm trying to look it up, I believe it's show number 34, back from September 30th. Yeah, you can get a, um, a really, obviously, very close look at... Um, not just the Dreamfinder character, but the Figment character. I also did some interviews with um, Steve Kirk um, a little bit later on, where he was one of the principals from Imagineering who worked on that attraction. Um, if you go to www.radio.com or go search on iTunes um, for Steve Kirk and Tim Kirk, the, the brothers, they can give you a, a little bit more insight too on the history of that attraction as well. All right, next email says, Your show brings me to tears. Dot, 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 dot. Hi, Lou. Clickbaits are mean. (laughs) I apologize for that. In fact, I love your show. I love your enthusiasm. Enthusiasm for all things Disney. Your show is filled with so much love and respect and awe of Disney that I really just get a little emotional listening. I'm a little verklempt. Mainly because I can't be in the park right now, this minute. Puts in all caps for emphasis. In fact, 
were not scheduled to go until late 2018. I live about as far from Walt Disney World as you could be, like way up, like in the up. And while we don't get as nearly as hot as Florida, bopping down to Main Street takes basically an act of Congress. (laughs) Do you have any travel tips for either finding super cheap airfare or other ways to go from Michigan to Florida? Thanks again for the show. I really do feel like your story is one of inspiration. I'm truly happy for you to be able to make it in the happiest place on earth. Your podcast makes the way just a little bit easier, and I appreciate that. Thank you again, Stuart Boyles. So, Stuart, I, I love that email. I love your sense of humor. And I would love to, to help you find ways to get down here as inexpensively as possible. This is going to sound like a plug, because I guess basically it is. Um, I actually have 102 ways to save money for not Walt Disney World, where I share uh, about 20 different tips in terms of getting the, um, the most economical airfare airfare as possible. Um, you know, some of those things include traveling on a weekday. You can save sometimes up to 50% if you travel on a Tuesday, Wednesday, or a Thursday. Um, every now and then you get a discounted Saturday fare, but like knowing when to look and where to look. So a lot of times these discounted fares show up Monday night and they disappear on Thursday nights. And historically speaking, if you book your ticket like between 3 o'clock and 3.05 on a, on a Tuesday when the sun is, you, you sort of get the, the best deals according to a lot of the fair comparison sites. Um, you know what, Stuart? I'm going to do this for you. I want to help you any way I can. So when you shoot me an email again with your address or with your email address, I will send you a copy of the book so it'll at least help you a little bit more. And oh, by the way, the book's on sale for $10 in the shop. But um, in terms of cheap airfare, um, it is. It, it's... It's a game. It's a shell game in terms of navigating the sites appropriately. By the way, clear your cookies every time you go to a website or use incognito browsing. Yep, exactly. And airfare, and of course, you can always use a travel professional that can help you find the best deal, too, on on the dates you're looking at. But one of the things to keep in mind is a lot of those tips that you just pointed out, work for many of the airlines, not all of the airlines, because some of them participate in certain um, databases where they're looking and mining all this data and figuring out those things. Others don't participate in some of those databases where that information is mined. So uh, it's important to remember that the rates are always adjusting and it's always based on supply and demand. Always, always, always. And um, I've used sites like... uh, kayak or airfare watchdog just to look and see the trends because sometimes you can pull those up and you can say uh, for the next year i want to watch the trends from seattle to mco to orlando and then that gives me an idea from last year where things have trended and if it's good to book 14 days out or to book 21 days out and sometimes it's better to wait till you get a little bit closer but then again the supply may be gone by that point. So you really have to kind of play the game. And one, once again, it's good to get a travel professional involved because they can help you with what, ho- or what um, airlines are going to be the best deals from those locations. But it's not an exact tool. None of these things that have been mentioned are going to guarantee that you're going to get the cheapest rate. It really is a shell game. That's probably the best description that I've heard for a while. Um, but it can be found... But airlines are pretty much expensive right now anyway across the board. 
Yeah, the one tool I have used in the past, and it actually worked really well. Again, I have no skin in the game here. It's called Hopper, and if you go to your iOS, or I think it's iOS only, it's a little cute little white bunny, and it, it actually helps to predict the flight and hotel prices. So they have done a lot of the legwork in terms of really scraping prices for a long period of time. And, and I have known people who've saved 30 40% because it, what it does is it predicts when the fares are going to change and it lets you know if you should buy it now or wait for a better price. It'll actually send you push notification on when it's time to buy as well as showing you not just historically but predictively what some of the cheaper dates are in a, in a easy color-coded graph, you know, green, yellow, and red. Um, and then you can actually book your flight right through the app. Right. And Kayak and Air for Watchdog do the same thing with predictors. So the tool or the, the, the key there is to identify the two or three airlines that use the, um, the gateway that you use primarily in your location find those three airlines and then find out which one of those three predictors they actually participate in because hopper doesn't have everybody neither does kayak neither does airfare watchdog but if you use a combination of all those tools at least you can get an idea of the trends yeah and and don't forget to check the airline website itself because sometimes the rates you're going to get there are going to be different Mm -hmm. than if you get from some of the aggregators um becky Shocker of shockers, we are going long, so we're going to have one more question. And oh, I know, look, look at the coincidence, it happens to be about food. I am reading this as it was written. Hey Lou and Becky, open parentheses, or should I call her the Queen of Spades? Now that's not nice. You're the Queen of Hearts. I've heard you guys frequently talk about snacks and great service locations. The look of death I am getting across the table at Disneyland. Um, a quick service location at Disneyland, but I don't think I've heard you talk about sit-down restaurants really? there. Really? Really? You obviously have not listened to the show. Anyway, I'm currently planning a trip to Disneyland next year. Would love to hear your favorite four or five Disneyland sit-down experiences. Thank you so much, Dan. I still believe in ladies first. Oh, great. And we do love eating in Disneyland, so go ahead. I'll let you go. Four or five sit-down, which is perfect for you because counter service freaks you out. <laughs> service. Oh, you just did the Becky voice. Wow. That, oh. <laughs> I'm just going to give up now. This is apparently not my, my moment. Um, for me, the four or five. Uh, Blue Bayou. Uh, right That's what I had first. Uh, imagine that. Uh, and that was not the, the, the pseudo queen of hearts. Not spe- so what, what, it, what, what is it? I don't know. Quick, I don't know what, what, is it, what is it about Blue Bayou for you? I love the atmosphere. All right, you're reading my notes. No, I bought my my own. My first thing says Blue Bayou hyphen atmosphere. No, atmosphere, because you feel like you are in a cafe at 9 o'clock at night with the the boats from the Hunter Mansion going by. It's an original. For for me, it also is an emotional tie. Or the boats could be from Pirates, one of the two. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I was just thinking of Hunter Mansion from the the New Orleans Square side. Sorry. it's, it's emotional for me because that was the very, that's the place that I remember being with my father for dinner uh, when he took me to Disneyland for the very first time. So it's kind of a, a place that I need to go back to. Um, but it has amazing food. And again, the atmosphere, the, the sounds, the smells, the, the wonderful um, nighttime uh, and the, the lighting and it, I mean it's just like the perfect place to be and you can uh, go in for lunch at noon but you feel like you're at dinner at 8 o'clock at night on the bayou yeah it, it's atmosphere it's history I think the cuisine is excellent too um, 
there is something about that that musty water smell from pirates just sort of trickling on it and hearing the sounds of um, of the water and um, and, and the, the the bayou sounds in the background um, again it goes back to my love of, of New Orleans and that connection there too um, so all right well we'll do a little back and forth so I had that was first on my list for in terms of atmosphere. Then I started to think, all right, let me sort of veer off the, the beaten path. Let me think about breakfast. Um, I love Storytellers Cafe for breakfast. If you have Storytellers on your list, we... It's second. Storytellers Stop second. Stop it. Look. Oh, look. We're, look. we're bonding. <laughs> Isn't that cute? Go ahead and you tell them why, and then because it's your, your time. Uh, well, look, obviously, look at my look at my physique. Uh, I'm like Lewis the Alligator. I'm a, I'm a human pair. <laughs> buffet, buffet, buffet. But I love the variety they have there. They have characters, and then you can waddle right out of storytellers right into the park. Yep, exactly. And they got a good variety, like you said, of, of food. You can also order off the menu there as well. Um, I, I like the characters there, too, because they're unusual characters. You get everybody from Brother Bear, which I love the big, huge teddy bears to, to hug and, and take pictures with. That's a lot of fun. And I, it's convenient to get to. And like you said, you can walk right into the park. So it's almost like eating in the park. You just walk through the gate. All right, give me another one. Uh, going back and forth, I, I would say my next one up is Steakhouse 50. Shut your face. I'm, I'm not kidding. Look, <laughs> tell me I'm not kidding. The third on my list is, is Steakhouse 55. <laughs> oh, my gosh, it's Steakhouse 55. Yeah, because it's a hidden gem. It's one of those It's over in the Disneyland Hotel. Once again, not inside the park, which I kind of like. And, and, and if you've ever been to Disneyland... It's such a small, compact location. You can walk anywhere pretty easily. You could easily leave the Disneyland Hotel or D- Disneyland and walk to Disneyland Hotel within 15 minutes. Um, I like the the decor. I like the choices. It's got some of the best steaks around on property for a good price. Um, I really enjoy Steakhouse 55 for both dinner and for breakfast. As a matter of fact. Yeah, it's it's the signature steakhouse. I think the food is excellent there. Uh, and again, because of where it is, I, I like that sense of nostalgia. Um, I like that sense of history. There's something about the Disneyland. Listen, Grand Californian is, is beautiful, but there's something about the Disneyland Hotel that just sort of speaks to me. Um, I'm going to give... All right, next... I'm going to go with one that I, I guarantee is off your list, but I still love it anyway. And it's off your list, probably due to the kid factor. I love Goofy's Kitchen. I think Goofy's Kitchen is a fun, it, again, it's, it's outside the park. So it's a, um, uh, it's a sit-down restaurant outside the park. So you can sort of get out of the, the, the busy park atmosphere. Um, it's character dining. They have unique items there. I remember the first time that I was there seeing Cinderella and Mulan, like all at the same time. Um, I, and again, maybe for me, because it's one of the first places that I've ever eaten at Disneyland, um, I think it, it, it becomes sort of a must-do. It, yeah, I, I do enjoy that location as well. Um, it can be a little busy. <laughs> it can be a little, a little crazy. Uh, but who can turn down... <clears throat> peanut butter and jelly pizza not this guy. in the morning that's just amazing and the ice cream that you can still have in the morning and there's it's it's like kids gone crazy in there it's like kids came up with a menu and it really is a lot of fun and again the character experience there is done really well um you get a lot of different type of characters that that come through and it handles groups 
very well as it too, so you can have a big group of friends or a big family to go in and really enjoy the, the characters and the food. Um, I would agree. I like that. Anything else on your list? Yeah, I got two more. <clears throat> One of them would be, believe it or not. Don't, if you say what I would No, yeah. it probably isn't, but Tortilla Joe's. Okay. I really like Tortilla Joe's. It's in the downtown Disney area, which is still called downtown Disney there, which screws me up over here. Um, which, again, if you haven't been there before, everything is within easy walking distance. You, you can go from your hotel to downtown Disney and back in. As a matter of fact, the security perimeter starts at the hotels. So once you're in, you can easily go out to downtown Disney for a meal and go back into the parks with very little inconvenience. And Tortilla Joe's is um, Mexican fare. And what I love is the homemade guacamole that they'll make at your table. I could make an entire meal out of that homemade um, guacamole at the table. But they've got all kinds of choices and Good beverages, good beverage options, which, yes, I do like my adult beverages. Thank you very much, um, Lounge Review. And anyway, um, it's one of my favorites. I will see your Tortilla Joe's, okay. and I will raise you across the street, Ralph Brennan's Jazz Kitchen. Because it's New Orleans and beignets. And I do it. No. It's all about beignets. No, it's not the about the beignets. Although, beignets. Although they have a... Uh, a separate beignet window that you can go to in the morning, yes. grab them on the way into the park, Yahtzee. But <laughs> I think, I, for, again, I love the courtyard and the wrought iron, but the food there I think is exceptionally good. And I've been there for breakfast and lunch and dinner. Maybe one day I was actually there for breakfast and dinner the same day. Don't judge me. <laughs> but unique offerings they're not afraid if you like things a little bit spicy, you want a little bit of that New Orleans heat, you get it in there. And I love, love, love sitting outside by the wrought iron fence, the music in the background, and just watching the people go by as I just stuff myself with 18 pounds of jambalaya. Um, I also wanted to think someplace back in the park, and I don't think I hit lunch. So for that, I would go to Cafe Orleans. I get I, I'm... The, the jazz music in the background is clearly affecting me, but I do. I like okay. Cafe Orleans in no, Disneyland Park. Because why? <clears throat> it's the Monte Cristo, isn't it? Of course it is. Of course it is. Well, one thing you may not know is that in um, Blue Bayou, you can get the Monte Cristo up till 3 o'clock. But I like sitting outside. Again, <laughs> yeah. sitting outside at Cafe Orleans, I love, love the live music that they have in Disneyland. Don't ever let that go away. Yeah. But you sit outside... On the perf- on one of those perfect Southern California afternoons, the music is going, the riverboat goes by, the haunted mansions in the distance. Tom Sawyer Island is right across the way. The shade trees, it is just like I remember being there and just taking in the... I know it sounds like so poetic, but I remember just sitting there one day. I was by myself, and I just took in the moment. And then I looked up from my Monte Cristo and took in the moment of everything else that was around me, too. But I was like, this was just like such a quintessential happy moment. I'm like, Walt would be proud of the way that I feel right now because I think that is exactly what he wanted. And I will punctuate that with a Walt favorite, which is Carnation Cafe, right? Because you can have the, um, the meatloaf and the fried chicken there, which were some of Walt's favorites. I, I love the fact that um, it, it, it's, you know, we talk about a place where Walt walked, a place where Walt may have, you know, probably ate too. Um, and I think Carnation Cafe 
is one of those places you have to go to while you're at Disneyland. Yeah, and it is in Disneyland. And, of course, Oscar just recently retired, and he'd been there since the very first opening, which is amazing to meet him and get your picture taken with him. <clears throat> very beloved guy. Uh, he has his own menu item. Yeah. He has his own... Um, it's the, the egg. It's just sort of an all-American style breakfast named after Oscar. The other one I go back and forth on, a lot of people ask me about, is Carthay Circle. And if it's between... I. I'll be honest. I'm. I love the atmosphere there. I'm not a big and fan. and the biscuits. Yeah, the biscuits. But I'm not a, not a big fan of the restaurant yet. I, I think that it it needs a little adjusting. Um, a lot of people though ask about Napa Rose, and if you really want a, a a place to have a very fancy dinner, Napa Rose is certainly the place to do it. It's a um, it's a little bit more upscale, but yet still really casual. You can still go in there in jeans and be comfortable. Um, they have a nice lounge. Uh, menu there too so if you don't want to go in for dinner you can actually eat off the lounge menu and they have a, um, a chef's area set up too which is a nice change um, and their their menu changes seasonally so what you really fall in love with it will leave the menu and you'll be disappointed when you go but then you might find something new it's it's just like an honorable mention if you're looking for something a little more dressy so fun fact Okay. You have never taken me to Napa Rose. I've never eaten at Napa Rose. What? Never. Ever. What? Not once. Wow. I didn't know that. All right. <clears throat> I had a water in the lounge once, but that was the extent of my <laughs> Napa Rose experience. We've been, in, we've been in the lounge in Napa Rose a couple of times, at least. But, okay, I promise when we go back to Disneyland, I will take you to Napa Rose. Next week? Are we going next week? Can we go next week? Uh, can you go next week? If, if we go next week, we'll do a live review of Napa Rose. We'll go in March. <laughs> we'll go in March. Because I have to go in March. We'll go in March. Because <gasps> we're going to talk about that thing with that other thing with those oh. people in that other location. Listen, Becky and I have been meeting for literally hours this morning. And there's lots of great things to come and share on the horizon, including more of your emails. There's plenty more to get to. But there's there's always there's always room in the at the inn. Box. So email me, Lou at. Is what I did there? Oh email God. me, Lou at www.radio.com. And if you have any other specific questions, if you have a trip coming up, if you're thinking about planning a trip, obviously I want you to go to mousefantravel.com because not only Becky, but her entire team of agents um, knows know the properties so well, know the ins and outs to help you not only navigate the pricing and time and dining and fast passes, but really sort of make you have that exceptional. Uh, exceeding expectation type experience when you come. Well, thank you. And I know you hate it when I say it, but we do more than just Disney. So if you have a trip to Hawaii, if you've got another cruise line you want to be on, if you want to go to Europe, we can handle that all as well at MEI. She just sounded like she just sounded like Charlie Brown's teacher when she said that. There's other places on the planet to go. There's other places to go. Hey, even Disney recognizes that because they have an Adventures by Disney. So there's other places. Maybe we should go. Maybe we should go and experience them so I could really talk about them a little bit more. That's kind of in the plan, isn't it? Shh. We've said too much. We've said too much. (laughs) But I would love for you to email me your questions. We will answer them on the show. You just uh, shushed me. You just, it but it was a it was a loving shush. We just bonded though over our Disneyland sit down restaurants. Good. It's good and scary, and now I'm starving again. <laughs> um, really, you're hungry? Yeah. There's some beignets over there. If you um, there's some. We literally have been here as they changed over from breakfast to lunch. Yep, and they're still serving beignets. You are so lucky. <laughs> I'm so happy I've made 
New Orleans stretchy pants on. Lovely music in the background. I could sit here all day. I actually have been sitting here all day. Time for our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, where I not only invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World's history or details, but see how well you know the parks by maybe playing a random sound clip or quoting a line from an attraction and asking you to identify where in Walt Disney World you might have found it. Before we get to this week's question, we're going to go back, review last week's, and select our winner. So last week, I took you over to Disney's Animal Kingdom and asked you to identify the name of the travel agency or the tour company at Expedition Everest, still one of my favorites, and I think well-themed attractions in any of the Disney parks. I want to first thank the hundreds of you who entered, got this one correct, or were very creative in your answers, and knew that the tour company or the travel agency is Himalayan Escapes. And as you go past the booking office inside that Tibetan-style stone structure at the foot of Mount Everest, you know that the it is the office of Himalayan Escapes, Tours, and Expeditions. Welcome to the Himalayas! I took all the correct entries, randomly selected one, and again last week, you were playing for a big prize package that included my 102 ways to save money for an at Walt Disney World book, all seven of my virtual audio walking tours of the Magic Kingdom, all of which, by the way, still on sale, just $10 at the WW Radio store, but I digress. You also get a WW Radio Magic Band cover, some stickers, a WW Radio pop socket for your phone, and a new prize added last week is a mystery shirt from the WW Radio collection over on Teespring. If you go to www.radio.com slash shirts, you'll find a wide variety of not just WW Radio logo gear shirts, but there's also Disney, Marvel, Star Wars shirts as well. I am going to randomly select one of those, add it to your prize package, and last week's winner, randomly selected, is Kathy Myers. So, Kathy, congratulations. Because you use the online form, I have your shirt size. I will get your prize package out here right away. If you played last week and didn't win, that's okay, because here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So this week, we're going to go from Disney's Animal Kingdom to Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom, where the food is equally as good, and bring you over to, I think, what is becoming a new classic attraction, Mickey's PhilharMagic. It has classic characters, classic music, and that's the subject of this week's question, because I want you to tell me, what's the last song the orchestra plays near the end of Mickey's PhilharMagic? Plain and simple. You have until Sunday, March 11th to go to www.radio.com, click on this week's podcast, use the online entry form there, because again, you're not just going to play for the book, the audio tours, the Magic Man cover, the stickers, the pop socket, but I'm also going to include another mystery shirt from the WW Radio collection over at www.radio.com slash shirts. Again, you can go over there, check out all the Disney, Marvel, Star Wars, and WW Radio logo shirts as well. So good luck and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you so very much for taking the time to tune in this and every week. 
I sincerely appreciate you sharing and spending that time with me. I know and appreciate how valuable it is to you. Don't forget that I'd love to keep the conversation going, not just about this show, but anything that you want to talk about as well in the WW Radio group on Facebook. You can come by and join over at www.radio.com slash community. When you do, be sure and take a look around, grab yourself a snack, make yourself comfortable, and introduce yourself to the rest of the WW Radio family. I also want to say a huge thanks to everybody who liked, commented on, and shared my first article over in People Magazine this week, which is an expert's guide to the best hidden gem foods at Walt Disney World. From savory to sweet to secret, these are a few of my favorite things to eat and drink in the parks and resorts and in Disney Springs. To read the full article, you can go to the WW Radio page or group by visiting www.radio.com slash community, or you can get a direct link to the article by going to www.radio.com slash people gems. It's people G-E-M-S. Thank you again to People Magazine. Thanks to you for taking the time to read it. And if you like the article, please do me a favor, share it with your friends, followers, or community. Thanks again to People Magazine. Thanks to you for taking the time to read it. And I'd like to know from you, which of these is your favorite or which is the one you want to try most? Please go to www.radio.com community, find a link to the article there, and leave your comments there. would love to keep the conversation going. In addition to the podcast, I'd love for you to join me every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern for WW Radio Live, where I do a live video broadcast and chat with you. You can join in by turning on notifications on the WW Radio Facebook group or on the WW Radio Facebook page at facebook.com slash WW Radio. I also want to say thank you and welcome to some of the new and longtime members of the WW Radio Nation family, including Peter Brown, Danny Osmond, Marcus Vowell, Richard Begley, and Jim Webb. Thank you so much for joining and being part of our growing WW Radio Nation family. And if you want to find out how you can not only help the show, but be part of the nation and get exclusive rewards every month, including scavenger hunts, we have a private Facebook group, personalized Magic Band covers, logo gear, t-shirts, backpacks, monthly care packages from Walt Disney World, and we do exclusive live video group calls and more you can visit www.radio.com support and also don't forget that a portion of your contributions do go to our dream team project to benefit the make-a-wish foundation of america if you have a question you have an answer on an upcoming show you can email me lou at www.radio.com or if you want to be heard on the air call the voicemail at 407-900-9391 that's 407-900-wdw1 as always, I'd love to hear from you. So if you want to connect online, I am at Lou Mangello on Twitter, on Instagram, on Pinterest, on LinkedIn, and on Facebook. And again, don't forget to be part of the community at www.radio.com community. Of course, I believe that while connecting and conversing online is great, nothing beats a handshake and a hug. That's why I continue to do monthly meetups every month in Walt Disney World. We've been coming on almost 11 years of doing it. I also want to say thank you to everybody who came to my on-the-road meetup this past week in San Diego. I appreciate you so very much, especially some of you that drove a very, very long way to be there. Um, everybody who also came out to my session at Social Media Marketing World or tuned into some of the interviews that I did, uh, you can watch some of the replays, by the way, on my Facebook profile at facebook.com slash WW Radio. While I was there, I was there because of you and talking about you in discussing community. It really is the heart of what I do. It's the heart of what we do. And as I say, you know, I just built this clubhouse. You are the ones that populate it. And in doing so, invite others to be a part of it. 
So thank you very much to everybody who came to the session, watched some of the stuff live, or came to the monthly meetup. Speaking of monthly meetups, the next one in Walt Disney World is going to be on Saturday, March 24th. Time and location to be determined. Of course, you know, it will be around food. Stay tuned. I will post it on the page, on the group, on the show, and of course, on social as well. I'll also be doing some additional meetups on the road as I travel to speak. And if you go to lumangelo.com, you can find out how I can come maybe to speak to your business, to your conference, to your event, to your school, or work with you maybe one-on-one to help you turn that thing that you love into that thing that you do, the way that you have allowed me to do so as well. Thanks as always to Becky Mankin from Mouse Fan Travel, not just for joining me this week, but for continuing to be a longtime partner on the show. And no matter where you're going, whether it's a Disney destination or anywhere around the world, you can get an incredible level of service from them by visiting mousefantravel.com. Go to celebrationspress.com, subscribe to Celebrations Magazine. And then, as always, my friend, and you, you are my friend. You continue to demonstrate that week after week, day after day. All I ask is that if you like the show, please help spread the word. It's what I talked about in my presentation. All I ask is that you let others know about it. Tweet out that you're listening. Share a link to this or your favorite older episode over on Facebook or on your favorite Facebook group. And if you can, take 30 seconds. That's all it takes to rate and review the show over on iTunes. That's really, really helpful. You subscribing and rating and review the show there is really, really helpful. Thanks to you. We have more than 1,500 five-star reviews. I'd love for you to keep them coming. I also want to thank some recent reviewers like David Iwan1013, who says the show is informative, inspiring, and entertaining. Exactly what I hope it is. He says, this is a great pod on on many fronts. The passion Lou exerts is inspiring to get listeners to gain interest in each episode topic and to want to do similar work on their other interests. There's a lot of interesting and diverse topics to entertain the listener and bring new topics to attention. A lot of knowledge about many different aspects of the Disney company is shared by Lou and his various guests, especially recurring guest Jim Corcus. Older episodes are absolutely worth listening to. Overall, a fantastic job over the years. Sam from Jersey says, a voice from Walt. Wow. Relatively, I've been listening to Walt Disney WW Radio for a short time, only eight months. And over that time, I feel as if Lou and the gang are very close friends I've yet to meet. Exactly what I want you to feel. The well-researched content is why I came, but the optimistic outlook and encouragement are why I keep listening. The keep moving forward attitude of the channel is so attuned to Walt's vision and legacy that it makes my eyes a little sweaty. Thank you, Lou, for making new Disney content of which I believe the legend himself would approve. Wow. TFOX715 says it's a wonderful experience for all levels of Disney fans. I've loved every minute of this podcast. I just booked my very first Disney World trip for this April. And while planning back in December, I stumbled across the podcast. Since then, I have binged nearly two Hundred episodes. Wow, that's a lot of Lou. And with every episode that I listen to, I'm more excited to go and I've gained so much knowledge about the Disney parks and Disney in general. Wow, I literally choked up and a little verklempt. Uh, thanks to all of you and everybody who's ever left a review for the show. Again, just search for WW Radio on iTunes or go to www.radio.com slash iTunes. It'll tell you exactly how and where to do it. And finally, and most importantly, my thanks is to you for taking the time to tune in, for the friendship that you've extended to me, the gift that you have given me of your attention. And I appreciate you. And if I can ever help you in any way, please, please, please let me know how and where and when I can do that for you. I'm going to do whatever I can to make your future a great, big, beautiful tomorrow. 
right? It actually made me think of a line from one of my favorite and I think underrated Disney films, Meet the Robinsons, where Mildred says, you have to get out of the past and look to the future. That's exactly what I want you to do. And I do want you to have a great, big, beautiful tomorrow because here's to the future and you. I hope that this is your best week ever. Thank you. I love you. I appreciate you. See ya. Hey, Lou. This is Beth Strickland calling from uh, Brooklyn, New York now. Back in New York in the, like, eh, chilly-ish, cloudy-ish, not sunshine and warmth of Florida that I was last week. Um, but just finished, got back on Friday from an amazing Disney World trip. Partially planned by Jackie at MEI Nash Fan Travel, who was amazing and dealt with all of my little changes here and there that I wanted to make all the time. But I uh, just wanted to report in Pandora, oh my God, blew my mind. I was shaking, crying, speechless all three times that I got off flight of passage. For those people who are allergic to lines that are just like, oh, I can't get past that, get in the queue. That queue is breathtaking and amazing and unlike anything else, just like the ride. Um, I know I had responded on your Instagram about possibly considering Nomad Lounge for Thursday, but uh, I kind of went to the boathouse for a second time, even though I had been there for lunch on Tuesday. I went back on Thursday night for dinner. Um, that's how good it was. <laughs> and, you know, good enough that I'm considering when I go pre-cruise next year, staying at Saratoga Springs so I can just walk over there, but not fully decided on that one yet. But anyway, um, had an absolutely amazing time. Love the Festival of Fantasy Parade. I liked the fireworks aspect of Happily Ever After. The projections, not so much the music I felt could have been smoothed out, but the fireworks were awesome. And... um if you ever do any kind of reviews about tours, um, backstage tours, Caring for Giants is incredible. It's one of the least expensive, I think, um, at $30. Every bit of that money goes to help elephant conservation. You're 80 to 100 feet from the elephants, the female ones. Um, we got to see baby Stella being adorable, and it's about an hour, but it is absolutely so much money worthwhile spent. Uh, yeah, I know kind of what I was saying there. Um, but it's definitely a tour that I highly recommend. So I would just put that at number one probably on my top ten list of tours, even though I've only done two. I also loved Dolphins in Depth several years ago. Um, anyway, hope you're having a great day. Hope Florida is warmer and sunnier than Brooklyn is right now. But anyway, have a magical day. Bye. Hi, Lou. This is Lisa Bennett from Columbia, Maryland. I just wanted to call because I just returned from the Ultimate Girls Weekend um, in Walt Disney World. We ran our fourth Disney Princess Half Marathon. I was the sweaty jasmine that came and hugged you. I was super excited because I was listening to your podcast when I saw you, um, and I was salivating listening to the Nomad Lounge review, and I totally would have gone there the night before we were in Animal Kingdom and we carbo-loaded at Yak and Yeti, and I had the best ahi tuna nachos there. We had a very foodie weekend. Um, we did a monorail tour on Friday night where we just rode the monorail and stopped at each lounge and had a drink and an appetizer or two. Um, 
And then on Saturday, we ate around the world, and we ate at Satuli Canteen. Um, everything was so good, and so we could not even feel bad about it because we ran 13 miles on Sunday. We did the entire weekend completely commando style. We were there from park opening to park closing Saturday and Sunday with the half marathon in there, too. Um so we had the best time. I'm so excited. I finally got to get my sweaty hug from you after listening to all 510-plus episodes, and it was great to see you. Thanks. Bye. Dude, this is Dave Levin Sr. I'm sitting here with the wonderful and beautiful Mary at the Sapuli Canteen. Oh, every, this place is absolutely fantastic. I got to tell you, it's fantastic. I give it five stars of all the... Uh, the counter services here in Disney World. It's got to be the best. Just amazing. Talk to you, dude. Love you. Bye-bye. Hi, Lou. Uh, my name is Joseph. I'm a fan, I, but I haven't been able to keep up with the podcast lately. But I just got around to listening to the episode, I believe it was 504, about Disney, the 2017 review. And we just got to the portion where you were talking about the the purchase of Fox, and now all the Marvel um, pieces that come with it. So my question for you is, from a a, uh, a lawyer standpoint, what does that mean for Island of Adventure that has all those pieces of Marvel still in their park? What's going to happen? And is this, did they predict this? And that's why they've been hitting so hard on Harry Potter? So that's my question for you. Thank you. Hello, Lou. Um, my name is Jeffrey Johnson. here from Bixby, uh, Oklahoma. And actually in the process of having quite finished it yet, but decided to give y'all mid- mid-podcast. Um, listening to show number 499 of your review at the Mara. And just wanted to share a quick story with you. So um, back in the early of last year, yeah, so far back, um, I actually went out to Disney World, Walt Disney World, with a group of friends, and there actually ended up being 30 of us that went, um, me being the Disney nut, I got to be the nice tour guide going through the park, bringing people where to go, all that, that was a blast, but, um, so, Whenever we first got there, we scheduled our stay for the All-Star Sports Resort due to all other events going on at the time. Something happened, and we were all transferred over to the Animal Kingdom Lodge. And a beautiful hotel, by the way. Oh, my gosh. It is spectacular. Loved every minute that we were there. But the Mara was always that little spot where... Even after the end of a long day in the park, you know, we were at the park till 1 in the morning. We all come back to Animal Kingdom Lodge, dump all of our stuff in our rooms, absolutely exhausted. But we were still there with our friends. And so we got to go down to the Mara and just hang out every night, just talk about the day or, you know, lay there and some of us fall asleep on the table. Um... So we were just able to hang out and relax, and it was such a wonderful place to come and meet with friends after our long day. Mark. So just seeing and listening to your podcast, 
um, 499 of the car. It just reminded me of that memory that I have with my friends. So thank you very much for all that you do and for reminding us all of those little magical moments in our lives. All right. Have a magical day. So I'll talk to you later. Hello, Lou Mangiello. It's Darlene Nagy from West Seneca, New York. Calling in to say congratulations to all the Disney princess runners this weekend from the WDW radio running team. My team. Love you guys. You guys are awesome. You rock. One of these days, I'm going to be there watching you with Lou and Beck. And Beatrice and Jimmy and everybody. We have 83 days until my birthday trip. I am so excited. I can't wait. And then there's 112 days until the next WDW Radio Cruise adventure up in Alaska. You guys are going to have a blast. Just remember, pack layers because you never know what that temperature is going to be. And then I have 215 days until I'm back in the world with the Sternbergs. So excited. Can't wait. Hope you all have a wonderful week. And get ready for that meetup with Lou in San Diego. For anyone that's out in that area, he's going to have a meetup. So stay tuned for the meetup in San Diego. Have a great, magical week. Love you. You've got a friend in me. Yeah. Abominable. <laughs> Can you believe that? Do I look abominable to you? Why can't they call me the adorable snowman or, or the agreeable snowman for crying out loud? I'm a nice guy. Snow cone?